Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. I love this woman. I love this woman and I have to tell her. And if she laughs, she laughs. It makes it easier, easier to bear. Feel any better if I asked you to the prom? His name's Blaine. He's so beautiful. Blaine? Oh, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. You won't regret it, no, no. Some girls, they don't forget it. Does he have strong lips? <laughs> strong lips. for me, you know, maybe this shouldn't happen. You know, maybe it doesn't happen all the time, but doesn't mean it isn't right, right? This is not the time to get serious over some nimrod. He's gonna use you and then throw you away. You're ashamed to be seen with no, me. I am You're not ashamed to go out with me. like him he likes you uh what his friends think shouldn't make any difference so i let them know that they didn't break me just don't write love songs like they used to it's i i oh hey there it's brian davis and for this week's episode we're going to cover the movie pretty in pink from 1986 the studio was paramount pictures the release date was february 28 1986 the running time, 96 minutes, and it was rated PG-13. The budget was $9 million and the box office took in $40.5 million, making it the 22nd ranked movie of 1986. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 73% fresh from 56 reviews. Their consensus is Molly Ringwald gives an outstanding performance in this sweet, intelligent teen comedy that takes an ancient premise and injects it with insight and wit. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 3 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. Although Pretty in Pink contains several scenes that are a great deal more dramatic, my favorite moments were the quietest ones, in which nothing was being said because a boy was trying to get up the courage to ask a girl out on a date. And she knew it, and he knew it, and still nothing was happening. To be able to listen to such silence is to understand the central dilemma of adolescence, which is that one's dreams are so much larger than one's confidence. Pretty in Pink is a movie that pays attention to such things. And although it's not a great movie, it contains some moments when the audience is likely to think, yes, being 16 was exactly like that. The movie's plot is old, old, old. It's about how the rich boy and the poor girl love each other, but the rich kid's friends are snobs, and the poor girl doesn't want anyone to know what a shabby home she lives in, and about how they do find true love after all. Since the basic truths in the movie apply to all teenagers, rich and poor, I wish the filmmakers would have found a new plot to go along with them. Perhaps they could have made the lovers come from different ethnic groups, which wouldn't have been all that original either, but at least they would have avoided one more recycling of ancient Horatio Alger (laughs) stories. Pretty in Pink is a heartwarming and mostly truthful film, with some nice touches of humor. The movie was written by John Hughes, who repeats the basic situation of a 16 Candles film, which starred Molly Ringwald as the girl who had a crush on a senior boy and learned to communicate with the class geek. But Ringwald is becoming an actress who can project poignancy and vulnerability without seeming corny or coy. 
and her scenes with John Cryer and Annie Potts have one moment of small truth after another. The nicest surprise in the movie is the character created by Potts. The first time we see her, she's dressed in leather and chains, but the next time, she wears one of those beehive hairdos from the early 1960s. She is constantly experimenting with her look, and when she finally settles on conservative good taste, the choice seems like her most radical so far. Pretty big is evidence, I suppose, that there must be a reason why certain old stories never seem to die. We all know the cliches. We can predict half of the developments. But at the end, when this boy and this girl, who are so obviously intended for one another, finally get together, there is great satisfaction. There's also a sense that Ringwald just might have that subtle magic that would allow her, like the young Elizabeth Taylor, to grow into an actress who will keep on breaking and mending boys' hearts for a long time. And that's the end of Ebert's review. Now, if I recall correctly, I believe Pretty in Pink was the first quote-unquote Brat Pack movie that I saw. I think my mom rented this first and then let me watch it. Uh, The funny part is that even at a young age, I didn't really want Molly Ringwald to end up with Ducky. Folks that didn't like Pretty in Pink probably appreciated Some Kind of Wonderful uh, much better, which I recovered that movie in past episodes, so go check it out. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So director Howard Deutsch met with John Hughes uh, due to Deutsch making movie trailers. Deutsch was working on 16 Candles for that trailer. Hughes decided he didn't want to direct all the films he wrote because he realized he could write five scripts in the time it took him to direct one film. So he sent Deutsch two scripts, even though he hadn't yet directed a film. Deutsch, that is. One was called The New Kid, which was about John's experiences in Arizona when he went to a new school. The other was called Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink actually made Deutsch cry, so that's the one he picked. Deutsch was very open to feedback and ideas from the actors, which they greatly appreciated, especially from a first-time director. Deutsch didn't come in with a dictator sort of attitude. In the end, he got a film that is a classic and was enjoyable for the actors to be part of. For example, Andy's bedroom in Pretty in Pink was almost exactly like Molly Ringwald's bedroom for real at the time. Pretty in Pink was the first film that Hughes produced, along with Lauren Schuler Donner, and he actually had a future vision for a production company. None of this was work for him. This was his life, and Deutsch said he was almost adopted into Hughes' family, so to speak, because he was around him so much during the making of the film. Now, as I've stated in past episodes covering John Hughes' films, Hughes had the enormous talent of being able to not only write full scripts incredibly fast, but also make adjustments equally as fast. He could take a scene that wasn't playing well on camera and on the fly not only make it work, but make it much better than originally envisioned. Pretty in Pink was written by Hughes specifically, with Molly Ringwald in mind. This would be the last film Ringwald would be in, uh, written by John Hughes. Now, I believe Hughes wanted to continue to have parts written for Ringwald in future films, but she wanted to go in a different direction. This would also happen to another actor associated with Hughes, whom I'll mention a little bit later in the episode. Interestingly enough, Paramount initially wanted Jennifer Beals to be the star of the film, And yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Plus, Ringwald was really 17. She wasn't a 25-year-old trying to play a teenager. She was actually taking her high school final exams while filming Pretty in Pink. John Hughes was a huge music fan, and he often said he got into the film business as a backdoor for the music business. He would always be listening to music when he wrote, and the songs he listened to could dictate the tone and tempo of his writing. He also had a big part in which songs were picked for his films and was a huge fan of rock and British rock in particular. As you might already know, the whole title of Pretty in Pink is based on the Psychedelic Furs song. Now, I'll cover the entire soundtrack at the end of this episode. 
Hughes even started his own record label in order to have more control of the soundtracks he released, and he called it Hughes Music, and it was distributed through MCA. However, it didn't last long, and there's not a whole lot of information about why this fell apart for Hughes. Originally, Anthony Michael Hall was Hughes' pick to play Ducky, because Hall was a veteran working on multiple Hughes films, and he just had major acclaim from The Breakfast Club. He also worked with Hughes on National Lampoon's Vacation, 16 Candles, Weird Science. But shockingly, Hall turned down the ducky role. Both Hughes and Deutsch couldn't believe that Anthony Michael Hall passed on this role. But at the time, Hall wanted to break away from those types of roles and possibly the constant connection with John Hughes. And frankly, while Hall continued to work and still does today, he never matched the success he had with John Hughes films and he never worked with him again. Today, you think of Ducky, and you couldn't imagine anyone but John Cryer playing that role, and Cryer absolutely nailed the audition, according to Howard Deutsch. For Blaine, the studios didn't think Andrew McCarthy was initially right for the part. They were thinking more of a jock type, or a square jaw look similar to Jake Ryan in Sixteen Candles. So McCarthy auditioned anyway, due to producer Lauren Schuer-Donner, who had already worked with McCarthy on St. Elmo's Fire a year prior, and she knew he would be terrific as Blaine. And actually, Molly Ringwald was also instrumental in getting McCarthy the part, as she told John Hughes that McCarthy was the type of guy she'd fall in love with and thought he was very attractive. Ringwald said her and McCarthy were supposed to go on a date once, and he stirred her up. (laughs) Charlie Sheen was also close to getting the part of Blaine as well. For the role of Iona, Tracy Ullman was up for the part, but her American accent wasn't quite there yet, and the producers didn't think she could be authentic as an American. And then Annie Potts came into audition, and they just knew she was Iona. She had a fun, big sister type of persona for the Andy character to bond with. Potts even admits the Iona character is so much like her in real life, because she always likes to transition to looks and trends as well. For the role of Steph, James Spader was given a tip by John Hughes to audition for the role, as Spader had met with Hughes on the set of Ferris Bueller. However, Howard Deutsch just didn't like Spader, but Hughes told Deutsch that he was exactly the reason he should be cast as Steph, because he plays unlikable extremely well. And with the casting of Harry Dean Stanton, this was again John Hughes. Stanton, like a lot of films he appeared in, liked to do things his own way, and Pretty in Pink is no different, and he even changed a few lines of dialogue for his character. Now, Deutsch admitted, looking at the film now, that Stanton's changes were actually correct. Molly Ringwald was one of the few actors on set to hang out with Stanton in his trailer, and that rapport, and almost a caretaker vibe, came across on screen. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with a montage of where Andy, Molly Ringwald, lives as she gets ready to go to school. Now, this is important because Andy and her father live on the other side of the tracks, though it's all suburbs around Chicago. However, Andy is in the working class section. And during this montage, it's a revised version of the song Pretty in Pink from the Psychedelic Furs. Again, I will cover all the songs on the soundtrack later in this episode. Andy's father, Jack, which is Harry Dean Stanton, he's out of work, and Andy essentially runs the house, looking after her father. We'll get into why this is the case a bit later. Andy seems to have everything put together. She's confident, she has the ability to create her own fashion designs, and she can even make her own clothes. In real life, Molly Ringwald really took the clothes she wore in the film seriously and went to many thrift stores and flea markets with the wardrobe coordinator to find secondhand clothes that would look indie and cool for the time. And many of her choices actually still kind of hold up today. So Andy arrives at school and we're introduced to Andy's friend Ducky, played by John Cryer. Even though they are just close friends, it's obvious from the start that Ducky would like nothing more than to be in a romantic relationship with Andy. However, Andy just views Ducky as a friend, nothing else. And from Andy's perspective, 
I'm totally with her on that one. Ducky is the perfect eccentric friend, but anything more just wouldn't work. Morning. Welcome to another day of higher education. Hi, Ducky. How are you? Mm, not all that bad, considering I'm in this dump. You know, this is a really volcanic ensemble you're wearing. It's really marvelous. Volcanic? Well, you know, hot, dangerous. Are you in class today? Well, I don't know if I'm emotionally ready. I'll go for it. It's virtually painless. <laughs> I gotta go. Okay, I'll see you at lunch. Okay, well, listen. I'll call ahead to the cafeteria and make a couple of reservations. You know, two by the window. Sure. Oh, well, no, you don't like to see the sun. Okay, something else. Uh, listen, may I admire you again today? Ladies, ladies, uh, listen, I may be able to work out a deal where either one or the both of you could be pregnant by the holidays. What do you say? We also get the first glimpse of the social class hierarchy in high school in Andy's history class, which is taught by Margaret Collin, who played Tom Selleck's girlfriend in Three Men and a Baby. She's also Elizabeth Perkins' doppelganger, in my opinion. In any case, the popular girls give Andy a hard time because she's not in the upper class like they are. They're also not impressed with Andy's choice of fashion. Now, the leader of this group is Benny, played by Kate Vernon. She's the daughter of John Vernon, who you might remember as the dean in Animal House. And Kate Vernon plays this part really well as Benny. So the teacher sees what's going on and punishes Benny and her friend by making them write an essay on the latest material they're studying. Now, Andy tries to tell the teacher it's not a big deal, but the girls decide to take the punishment instead of letting Andy help them out. As you could imagine, sitting in this hostile classroom would be incredibly awkward, and it is for Andy, and this scene is very well done to show this. Some argue that the New Deal saved the capitalist system. And as evidence that the Roosevelt administration was trying to avoid excessive governmental power, rather than implant socialism, in his first act as president, Mr. Roosevelt enacted the Emergency Banking Act and he refused to consider nationalization. Where'd you get your clothes? Five and dime store? Is there a problem, ladies? No. No. Andy, is there something going on between you and these ladies? No, not that I'm aware of. I'd like to apologize on behalf of Miss Trombley and Miss Hanson. These two young ladies will be thinking of you tonight as they write a summary of the chapters that we've just covered. <laughs> Great. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, I'm fine. Can you just forget about the chapter? Yes? We'll take the chapter. Fine. Let's go on. The Emergency Banking Act. Kate Vernon said that she went to a showing of Pretty in Pink when it came out, and she said the crowd booed her character on screen because she was so awful to Andy. If you get that sort of reaction from the audience, you've done your job as an actor. Benny's boyfriend is the ultimate movie douchebag of the 1980s, and that's Steph, played brilliantly by James Spader. After school, Steph, in his ultimate arrogance, tries to get Andy to go out with him. 
I'm not even sure he really likes her, but Andy's a challenge because she can't stand him, his friends, or anything he stands for, which is essentially spending his parents' money. See you guys later. Well, Andy, you look ravishing. So we graduate in a month. Now, I don't know when it is you and I are going to get together and do something. Try never. Well, I'm talking about more than sex here. No, you're not. You know, I've liked you for four years, and you treat me like shit, you know? I don't, I don't understand that. What's the problem? Can you get off of my car? You know, I've been out with a lot of girls at this school. I don't see what makes you so different. I have some taste. You're a bitch. You know, I think you ought to see a doctor, because that condition of yours can get a lot worse. And that brief scene perfectly shows what Steph is like. Andy drives away satisfied in her own way that Steph can't always get what he wants. Andy then drives downtown to her job, which is at a great record store named Trax, where we meet her awesome and eccentric co-worker Iona, played by Annie Potts. Again, nobody could have played this role better than Annie Potts, and every time you see Iona on screen, her hair, or wig, is in a different style. This is beautiful. It's so modern. This is a fab or what? It's great. I'm very, very good at this. I know. Such a waste that I'm on a lowly little retail outfit. No, not if you're good at it. I'm convinced I'd be a whore. I think you went to your prom. Yeah, sure. Is it terrible? It was the worst. But it's supposed to be, you know? I mean, but you have to go, right? Well, you don't have to. I mean, it's not a requirement. I have this girlfriend who didn't go to hers, and every once in a while she gets this really terrible feeling, you know, like something is missing. She checks her purse and her, she checks her keys, she counts her kids, she goes crazy, and then she realizes that nothing is missing. She decided it was side effects from skipping the prom. I don't know. I mean, part of me says just go and get it over with, and this other part of me says it's a stupid tradition, and what's the point? Well, you know, you could say that life itself is a stupid tradition. Don't analyze it. Just go. Don't steal, kid. Very similar to the Blues Brothers when Ray Charles was shooting at the kid at his store when he was trying to steal a guitar. But Iona's choice of weapon was a staple gun. After scaring off the kid trying to steal, he races out of the store, and then the guy from Andy's school comes in. His name is Blaine. It's Andrew McCarthy. And it's obvious that he's been admiring Andy from afar. It's also obvious Andy is equally smitten with Blaine as the two glance at each other while he walks around the store. Eventually, Blaine goes to the counter where Andy is and asks her opinion on a Steve Lawrence album, and it's obvious that Blaine simply picked up any record he could find in order to talk with Andy. But he buys it, and Andy playfully gives Blaine a hard time asking if he wants to pay with credit or cash or American Express Platinum. But Blaine takes the ribbon good-naturedly, and he leaves the store. But it's obvious that he likes her, and she likes him. And what makes this scene so great is that Iona is yelling at the guy she's dating on the phone while the flirting is happening between Blaine and Andy. 
tracks. What do you want? Tyrone, you blow. Yeah, I'm working. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's thrilling. I cook for you. I do your laundry. I sleep with you. Now you want to ride to work? Grow up. Take the bus. How you doing? Fine. Good. Can I help you? Yeah. Yeah. Can I get your opinion on something here? Don't. Maybe. Maybe. Is any good? Oh, the things I take for sticks and stones, Tyrone. Tot. Stones. Good. I'll take it. Okay. Um, that be cash or charge? American Express Platinum card, maybe? Take a bus to the zoo. Cash. You know, every time you go to the John, you lose IQ points. It's Walter Mondale. And seven fifty. Did you change? Thanks. Tyrone. No. I don't need a bag. I don't want to be doing no. that anymore. I can't do these things for you. Thanks. Enjoy it. Thanks. Bondage has no place in my life. Since when? Since I spent the night tied up in the back seat of your car. That night, Andy is at a club with her friend Jenna, played by Alexa Keenan, and her boyfriend, Simon, which is played by Dweezil Zappa. Outside waiting for Andy is Ducky, because he's not old enough to get in. He instead talks to the doorman, played by comedian Andrew Dice Clay. Now, this was a few years before the Dice Man became huge. And by the way, Dweezil Zappa is in the film because he was actually dating Molly Ringwald at the time. How long have I been coming here? I don't know, a couple of years. Okay, so you know, we're buddies. We're close, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very powerful. Okay, so how many times have you let me in? I never let you in. You know that. So you see what I'm saying? I don't know. What are you saying? What I'm saying is my girlfriend is in there, and I'm out here. Well, she's a girl, and she's my friend, so she's a girlfriend, but she's in there, and I'm out here. I mean, you're a sensitive, sexually potent kind of guy. You've got to know how that hurts. Well, let me ask you a question, seriously. Why does she come here knowing I don't let you in? Huh? Think about it. I don't know. <laughs> All right, my advice to you is, uh, dump her. Lose her. You don't need that. You see what I'm saying? You see the point I'm trying to make? Love's a bitch, duck. Love's a bitch. Ain't it the truth? Oh, Ain't it's it the, the truth. truth. High five. All right. Go for it. You want to try a cigarette? Come on. Oh, debate, debate, debate. Hey, honey, honey, let me ask you a personal question. If you worship the duck, why don't you hang out somewhere he could get in? Nice, just... dice man. Hey, say hello to the wife and kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The dice man is dyslexic. He gets everything backwards. So he meant to say it was like it's if okay, I were worship... okay, Ducky. Okay, because you're sure. Because if he offended you, I would gladly clean up this parking lot with his. No, butt. I'm fine. Don't okay, okay. Andy gives Ducky a ride home, but first they drive through the upper class neighborhoods as Andy longs to live in the nice houses she sees and says that people that live in them probably don't even appreciate what they have as much as someone like she would. The next day at school. Blaine makes a positive impression on Andy as we get to see an early version of instant messaging as he sends Andy messages throughout the computers in the library. The tactic works as Andy is even now more interested in Blaine than ever. 
In the meantime, Ducky decides to talk with Andy's father about his daughter, and we get to some more insight into the pain that Jack is dealing with in regards to his wife leaving him and Andy. I wanted to talk to you about Andy. Yeah? I mean, she's, she's an incredible individual. I mean, you know that. I mean, I'm there for her whenever, however, I'm there. You can rest assured that she's covered. I don't want you to worry because my only future plans are to make sure that she's taken care of. That's nice of you, Phil. <clears throat> and I'd like to marry her. Oh, well, not, you know, not, not today, but eventually, I figure. Well, does Andy know how you feel about this? Oh, uh, no confirmation on that just yet. I mean, I'm, I'm laying the groundwork and everything. You know, I'm thinking in terms of housing, you know, food, basic needs type of stuff. But I'm picking my moment. Now, the great part about this movie are the characters and the realness. Ducky talking to Jack is important because even though Ducky loves Andy with every fiber of his being, it doesn't mean that Andy feels the same way. And Jack is living proof that if the other side doesn't reciprocate, you're doomed to fail. Back at the record store, Blaine pays another visit to Andy. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> um... Oh, we just got these glasses, and it's really, um... Yeah, I didn't like that album I got the other day. Um, what? what? The record. Oh, the record. I, yeah, I thought it was a little too, uh... Too hip, maybe? Yeah, a little too hip. Well, uh... Think you can recommend something else for the less political or something? Lionel Richie? Yeah. Uh, well, hmm, Tina Marie, Madonna. Madonna? Yeah, Madonna. It's awfully deep. Yeah, very <laughs> deep. But she's got such great style. Yeah, yeah listen, um... Um, that's the alarm. Can you hold on a second? Just, sure. I'll, I'll be right back. Here, read this. It's really good. Don't lose my... No, 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 you can lose my... Hold on! What is this? Baby pumps out about 300 decibels, huh? Could you do this? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I was just using your powder room, and I decided not to disturb you, so I was going to go out the back door. But I guess I must have touched something. How'd you get in here? Are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. There are public bathrooms all over the place. I'm not nine, Andy. I know that. It's the, it's the end of the month. They're out of toilet seat covers. Glenn, what are you doing? Hey, buddy. What's up? Nothing. Hanging out. Hey, what are you shopping for records or something? <laughs> I guess. You find that in it? No, not really. Not really. Well, are we gonna shoot some trap or what? Because I mean, if we're gonna shoot, we gotta shake it, man. I don't have any place to go. I like coming here. Excuse me very much. It's okay. I'm sorry for getting mad at you. I gotta get back out in front, okay? Door five times before it rang. That's it. I'm leaving. I'm not gonna stay here. No, no way. <laughs> 
Oh, Ducky, you're the worst. While Andy was dealing with Ducky entering uh, the back of the store and setting off the alarm, her chance to potentially be asked out by Blaine went out the door as Steph picked up Blaine before Andy could return to the counter. Andy arrives home hoping for a phone message from Blaine, but instead gets five messages from Ducky. The next day, Jack is up before Andy and tells her some good news. He's landed a job. Andy is thrilled, but something seems fishy because he's vague about what type of job it is. But Andy doesn't seem to mind at this point and heads off to school. While at school, Blaine decides to go to the outcast side of the campus, which frankly are comprised of much cooler kids whose parents aren't yuppies with lots of money, but I digress. popular out here either. I don't know. You just fly inside. I don't know. I'm not really into all this shit, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, I really liked your computer trick. You're clever, huh? Terribly clever, yeah. Terribly. Are you late for something? Yeah, I am, as a matter of fact. But I mean, it's no big deal. Um, listen, do you want to? You want to go out Friday? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, seven o'clock. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Great. Great. Well, where do you live? I'll pick you up. Where do you live? Oh, I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm. Um, I'm gonna be working on Friday, so you can just pick me up at the mall. Okay. Okay. Bye. See ya. Andy is thrilled about being asked out by Blaine, but quickly decided she didn't want him to see where she lives. And this will come into play a bit later. After asking out Andy, Blaine unfortunately runs into Steph, who decides to play mind games with Blaine about Andy. So what do you care? Listen, my best friend is conversing with a mutant, you know, and I'm curious. I don't think that's any reason to get defensive. I'm not defensive. You just happen to like her, right? You really don't think she's got something? No. I really don't. I'm sorry. That night, Andy continues to be a good friend to Ducky by trying to help him out with his classes, but he's just not interested in school. He wants any excuse to just hang out with Andy. Okay, the Warsaw Pact is a treaty that was signed by the Soviet Union at seven East European satellites, okay? And what it did was it, you know, it's good, it's it established a mutual defense organization as a counterweight to NATO. Ducky! Uh-huh. What? 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 Well, what I put? You wrote the Warsaw Pact is the pact that's named after Warsaw. Uh-huh. So a teacher's just going to know that you're bullshitting? Okay, okay. What about the rest of it? <laughs> well, the Russian Revolution did not take place in Germany. Ow. Well, what was Karl Marx then? He was a German. Well, there you go. Yes, but his being German doesn't have anything to do with where the Russian Revolution occurred. Okay, okay. Okay, Ducky, can I propose something to you without you getting upset or angry? 
That depends. On what? I don't know. I just said that. Good. Well, I propose that you're deliberately flunking your courses so that you can stay in high school. Get out of here. Why, why, why would I do that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, I'm not, so there's nothing to tell. Well, you know, you're not always one to face things. What's this when? What, what am I not facing? The future. Well, whether or not you face the future, it happens, right? You run yourself down. Why do you do that? I'm not running myself down. You think I'm running my... I don't think I'm running myself down. Why? Be, be, because because the way I dress? Because I can laugh at myself? That's called a sense of humor. You should get one. They're nice. What are we going to do next year? Well, according to you, I'll still be in high school. No, I'm serious. I mean, not a day has passed in, what, eight years when I didn't see you or talk to you at least 20 times? Well, that's devotion. I know. And even though I sometimes get angry, you know that I secretly love it. You see, I knew that. You know, I hope I'm not the only in the world that knows what an incredible person you are. Well, at this point in time, I'm afraid you are, honey. Okay, I'm gonna get something to drink and then we work, okay? You promise? Oh, you bet. Okay, what do you want? Oh, beer, scotch, juice box, whatever. Okay. Oh, God. I love this woman. I love this woman and I have to tell her. And if she laughs, she laughs. And if she doesn't love me, she doesn't love me. But if, if I don't find out, oh, I love her too much. Love is real. Thank you, thank you. Real is love. You're a wonderful crowd here, you know that. Love is living. <laughs> You're fabulous. I do love you. I do love you. You're gorgeous. I love your hair. Love is feeling. Feeling love. Love is wanting. Ah. She's going to laugh. Would I blame her? Here you oh, go. shit. Honey, thanks. Uh, but I'm going to split, you know. Why? What about your paper? Uh, that's, that's what I'm going to do, you see, because, I mean, if you help me, thanks a lot, but, but it'll, it'll, won't be my work. It'll be bogus. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll see you in the AM. Hey, drinking and driving don't mix. That's why I ride a bike. Ducky, of course, chickens out, knowing it's not the right time to tell her about his feelings. What's interesting about this film is we never really get into the backstory of Ducky at all, meaning we never hear about his parents or his home wife. We just kind of assume he lives alone. And part of this was likely by design by John Hughes, as this is Andy's story, not Ducky's. But still, it would have been interesting to know a little bit more about Ducky. The other great part about Pretty in Pink is the role reversal here. Often in life, it's the male who never sees the affection from the girl who secretly loves him, just like in some kind of wonderful. The next day at school in gym class, Andy and her friends continue to get taunted by the popular snobs. What's the deal? Are you going out this weekend? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. Why? What are you going to do? Stay home. Yeah? You going to study again? Probably. Mm -hmm. Would you put that out? <laughs> no. Will you study again? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not 
love you so much. It makes me ill. I just don't see the point. You don't? Mm-mm. I don't want to work in a record store my whole life. Yeah? What do you want to be, a doctor? Oh, God. Okay, let's go, everybody. Get your lines, please. Thank you. Bullmeister? Yeah. Bissette? Pisano? Yeah. Look at that girl. Gulong? Norklin? Jeff. Jeez. What was that, Miss Holman? Um, <clears throat> I said I hope they shrivel up and fall off. You hope what shrivels up and falls off? Her breasts, Miss Deeds. <laughs> Shut up. You are out of here, Holman. Bye-bye. Bye, girls. So, uh... Do you share your partner's attitude? No, I don't. Shit. Excuse me, Miss Deeds. <laughs> Jenna is a great character, and sadly, this would be the last time she would appear in a film. Also, tragically, Alexa Keenan died before this film was released in September of 1985. However, as I stated with the lack of backstory with Ducky, the movie would just been too long if I covered every interesting character. So sadly, no more Jenna and witty quips such as shriveled up breasts. By the way, Benny's friend during gym class is Gina Gershon in one of her first film roles. So Andy is excused and meets with the principal about how the rich kids seem to get away with everything, while her and her friends take the brunt of the taunts. The principal somewhat empathizes with what Andy is telling him and tries to console her by saying her excellent grades are putting her on a successful path to a great future. However, Andy doesn't feel better believing that the principal is simply patronizing her because she's you know, lucky enough to go to a good school on the right side of the tracks rather than a school closer to where she lives. Ducky hears about Andy going to the principal's office and tries to console her but ends up getting thrown into the girl's bathroom because you know he acts like himself. Yo, man, next time I'll kick your ass. That'll be that. That'll, I'm just kidding. That's It's a joke. <laughs> How about that stock market? <laughs> My broker is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says, you see, it never works. It never works. I've never seen it work. So this is what it looks like. This is great. Hey, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You got doors on the stalls. They're not stuck. Wait a minute. We don't have none of this stuff in the boys. Wait a minute. We don't got none of this. We don't got doors on the stalls in the boys. We don't have what is this? We don't have a candy machine in the boys room. We don't got none of that. None of that. I'm sorry. No, I want the principal here. I want him here this instant. Oh, now. This instant. I'll wait. Thank you. We don't have a candy machine. Yes, that's a tampon machine. And yes, I've accidentally walked into the women's bathroom before. I wasn't thrown in, but uh, it's happened at work a few times when you go to a different building and you get turned around and all of a sudden you're looking and you're like, where are the urinals? And oh my God, I'm in the wrong. Yes, that has happened multiple times. And all you can do is smile and say, I'm, I'm an idiot. Anyway, that night is the big date for Andy and Blaine, and Andy waits anxiously for Blaine to arrive at the record store. And to lighten the mood, Iona plays the late great Otis Redding. Then Ducky arrives, lip syncing, 
and over-emoting the whole time as Andy and I own a watch an amusement. But hey, it's Otis. One more tune and it's off to enjoy a terrible relationship. Furrier next door loves this. very good tune. My mother used to sing this. This is Otis. I love Otis. We're closed. You know what an older woman does for me? Changes your diapers. Touche. No, seriously, though, you're a very smoky alternative for this. It's a duck man's loving knife. Shall we? You ever had one of these? This memorable dance scene was director Howard Deutsch's favorite to film, and the reason it shot so well is because Deutsch had a background directing music videos before he got into film, and he brought in a top choreographer, Kenny Ortega, for all of Ducky's moves. And even though he's got great taste in music, Ducky doesn't get that Andy is actually waiting on a date, and not with him. Andy, hon, listen. It's after seven. Don't waste good lip gloss. I know, Iona. I mean, I don't mean to be a bitch or anything, but I don't think Mr. Wonderful's going to happen tonight. I don't know what I'm doing. Wishful makeuping. Wait, wait, you babes are like talking a sign language that the old ducker here just does not understand. Now, would you mind filling me in here? I'm a little confused. She got stood up, twerp. Stood up? Wait, how's. Wait, I'm here! Is this like one of those feminine mystique deals or something? We showed. Andy? I'll get that. Ducky, I'm really sorry. What is this, um, you're gonna, you're gonna go out with this guy? I mean, is this, you know, like, a date or? Yeah. 
I mean, you'll like him. He's not like the other guys. Seriously. No, no, no. What? Man, you really pissed me off, you know, because, because, you know, they shit all over everybody, including you. I just, I can't believe you'd be this stupid. Who's shitting on me? I'm not going to let anybody shit well, on me. He's just, he's going to use your ass and throw you away. God, I would have died for you. So what am I supposed to do? He asked me out and I like him. If I hate him because he's got money, just listen to me. If I hate him because he's got money, that's the exact same thing as them hating us because we don't. Do you understand? You can't do this and, and respect yourself. You, 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 you can't. Well, I'll make that decision, all right? Sure, you can, you can do what you want. You know, you're talking like that just because I'm going out with Blaine. Blaine? His name is Blaine? Oh, that's, that's a major appliance. That's not a name. Just because I'm going out with Blaine doesn't mean I can't be friends with you. I mean, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. Oh, that's very nice. I'm, I'm glad. Here's, here's the point, Annie. I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned with whether or not you like me. Because I live to like you, and, and, and I can't like you anymore. So, so when you get your heart splattered all over hell and, and you're feeling really low and dirty, don't, don't look to me to help pump you back up because cause, cause, cause maybe for the first time in your life, I won't be there. I can't believe you're actually saying this. Well, I guess that's just tough shit. Sorry. Sorry. His name is Blaine. That's a major appliance, not a name. That's a great line. I know you're supposed to actually feel sorry for Ducky in this scene, but I never did, and I still don't. Look, it's cute that he holds such a torch for Andy, but he really needed to get a clue. If anything, I always felt worse for Blaine being caught in the middle with that whole ordeal between Andy and Ducky. So the date is already off to an awkward start, and then Blaine says the worst thing possible when he asks if Andy wants to go home and change, not realizing that that's the dress she's wearing to her date with Blaine. Oof. And things do not get better from there as Blaine talks Andy into going to a party with all of his friends who already hate Andy. I can't believe I actually associate with these people, huh? I can't believe that I'm actually here. Pretty bad, huh? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm sorry. Hey, let's go upstairs, huh? Look, I didn't come here to get you off, okay? That was not my idea. Baby. Come on, that's not what I meant. I haven't even tried to kiss you, have I? Look, it's quiet up there, okay? Come on. These hands will remain in these pockets, I swear to God. Look at me here. Come on. I'm utterly defenseless. And utterly foolish. Come on. So, what do you think of these carpets, huh? Um, bad. You know where? It's kind of too great. Uh, hey, Blaine. Jeff. How you doing? All right. Uh, to, no, I'll get another room. No, 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 no. Come on, I'm just I'm watching some tunes here. So, who do you got with you here, Blaine? Uh, Andy. This is Steph. Steph, Andy. Oh, it's very nice to meet you, Andy. Uh, listen, uh, what, do you want to come sit down? Or you want the bed, is it? No. 
No, we were fine. Well, at least come in and have a drink. Let's go. Can I get you something? I mean, this is my last serious party of my high school career. Hope you guys are gonna tough it out until Sunday, at least, when the folks get home. I think this one may just finally kill the old son of a bitch plane. Another giant step away from virginity. I wait. You're a slut, aren't you, Benny? a nightmare we got guests i know you you're in my calculus class jim your name's jim oh, you are worthless aren't you you and your friends gave me a lot of shit the other day everybody gives you shit take it easy benny huh hey this is steph's party blaine don't tell me what to do steph i mean you shouldn't be allowed to invite just anybody steph She's gonna ruin my night. Shut up, Benny. You're a faggot, uh, Blaine. Okay, listen, Benny. <laughs> listen, uh, why, 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 you're an asshole. All right. And I don't want to know what you are. I'm going to take your throw up somewhere. Listen, enjoy yourself, boy. Thank you. They're kind of jerks when they drink, huh? Bad idea. Can you just get me out of here now? Look, I don't want to take you home. I mean, I'd like to be with you. If not here, somewhere else, anywhere you want. I'm sorry. What can I say? I made a mistake. I overestimated my friends. I'm sorry. What, you want to hit me? <laughs> yes, I do. Be my guest. So Blaine and Andy leave the party and head out to a more comfortable scene for Andy, which is the rock club she normally hangs out at. However, in a nice role reversal, it's Blaine's turn to get a cold reception, and this time from Ducky. He was allowed in when Iona took pity on him and told the doorman that he's her son. (laughs) Also, Ducky decides to kiss Iona in a horribly wrong attempt to make Andy jealous. Iona hilariously drinks a shot after the kiss. Andy and Blaine leave the club after a very strange evening. Andy says she wants to go home, but she doesn't want Blaine to see where she lives because it's not a fancy part of town, as we mentioned before. But Blaine didn't care, and Andy sort of has a meltdown because she's ashamed of where she lives. Andy does tell Blaine where she lives eventually, and he takes her home. I'm really sorry for bumming out the night for you. Didn't bum out anything. I had a great time. Liar. I was with you. I had a great time. If I was in a Turkish prison, I'd have a great time with you. I don't know. It's just just too weird for me, you know? Maybe this shouldn't happen. What, you and me? Well... You know, maybe it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't mean it isn't right, right? Doesn't mean we can't try. Feel any better if I ask you to the prom? I mean, I know the prom's kind of lame, so if you don't want to go, it's really no big deal.
happened. He asked me. And? I accepted. Well, congratulations. No more moping around the house waiting for the telephone to ring. So, you're in love? Yeah, I think I am. Well, who is this guy? His name is Blaine, and he's a senior. He's so beautiful. <laughs> um, he's a Richie. Uh, a what -y? A Richie. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. It's just his family has a lot of money. Oh, well, is that a problem? I don't know. It's just weird. You know, his friends have a lot of money, and he has a lot of money. He drives a BMW. <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure if they're going to accept me. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you like him, he likes you. Uh, what his friends think shouldn't make any difference. Yeah, but it's not just his friends. It's my friends, too. It's everybody. I'm just not real secure about it. Well, so take the heat. I mean, you like him, he likes you. Uh, it's worth it. Is it? Well, isn't it? You're right. <laughs> I'm just overreacting, aren't I? Well, not necessarily. I mean, a good kiss can scramble anybody's brain. <laughs> Look, just don't worry about it, you know? And wait and see how you feel tomorrow. <laughs> good night. Good night, thanks. Mm, it's my baby. Uh, honey? Uh, could you... Wait a minute. Could, could I ask you something? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I feel a little sorry that uh, I'm the one you have to talk to about these things. I'm not. She couldn't have said it any better than you. Ain't it? Goodbye. Now, that last scene was great between Andy and Jack. They both knew the right thing to say to each other. The next day, Andy tells the big news to Iona at Iona's quirky apartment, which is located in the heart of Chinatown. All the gory details, the mingling breath, the pounding heart, the steamy windows. I want holes. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but nothing happened. Nothing? Well, not nothing. I mean, I kissed him. Anywhere interesting? Oh, please. So, uh, does he have... Strong lips. How can you tell? Do you feel it in your knees? I felt it everywhere. Strong lips. <laughs> Talk about lips. I mean, I'm old enough to be his mother, but when the duck laid that kiss on me last night, I swear to God, my thighs just went up in flames. You must practice on melons or something. Is this your prom dress? <laughs> Believe it or not. That's oh, great. Silly. It's a great material. You know, I'm going to prom. Stop it. Oh, I am. Last night he asked me. I don't know. I said yes. It's really weird. It might be kind of fun. You were here for 15 minutes and you didn't even tell me. Well, but I really, really wanted to go. 
After seeing her prom dress after all the years, Iona is inspired to dance with Andy like they were at the prom, with Iona having a giant beehive hairdo. <laughs> so while Andy is on cloud nine, Blaine again makes a mistake of hanging out with Steph. I thought that was very uncool of you last night, Blaine. What? What? You mean Andy? Yeah, I mean Andy. What's a big deal? I like her. Matter of fact, I was pissed off at you guys for being so nasty to her. It was way out of order for you to foist her on the party. Steph, you hear yourself? You hear the same asshole shit I hear? What, do I have to spell it out for you, Blaine? I guess so. Nobody appreciates your sense of humor, you know? As a matter of fact, everybody's just about to puke for me. You know, if you got a hard-on for trash, don't take care of it around those pal, right? Right, buddy. Listen, I don't need a lot of shit on this one, Blaine, all right? I really don't. Money, all that matters to you. Where, where the hell does that come from? Come on, look around you. Would I treat my parents' house like this if I, money was any kind of issue? Come on, why, why are you doing this, you know? Why don't you just nail her and get it over with? You know, why are you getting involved? Is there something wrong with that? I just think it's stupid, you know? It's pointless. You know? And your parents, I think they'll be thrilled. They have nothing to do with it. Really? Yeah. I've seen your mother go to work on you, Blaine. You know, it's vicious. And when Bill and Joyce get through with you, you won't know whether shit to go sailing. Listen, I, I'm getting really bored with this conversation, all right, Blaine? You know, if you want your little piece of low-grade ass, fine, take it, you know. But if you do, you're not going to have a friend. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you want to make the choice, go ahead and make it, all right? I, I personally wouldn't trash a friendship over it, but, hey, I'm old-fashioned, so... Why don't you take a shower? You look like shit. <laughs> Spader is absolutely golden in this role. Nobody could have played a better asshole. And by the way, Steph was rolling a joint the whole time he was talking to Blaine. And because of this, Blaine is now having second thoughts about dating Andy, worried now what his parents might think and if they'd accept her, along with being a social outcast with his current batch of friends. In the meantime, Ducky sits alone in his dingy room wondering what happened to his life in a short amount of time. Andy decides to go prom dress shopping the next day, but everything is incredibly expensive. The one dress she looks at is $650, and then she sees Benny near the fitting room complaining, as usual, about how ugly the dresses are. Andy sneaks out of the store before Benny sees her. Also, Blaine is now ignoring Andy's calls. Andy is now getting worried that something is wrong. And to make matters worse, she finds out that her father hasn't been completely honest with her about his supposed new job. Can I ask you something? Sure. What? Where'd she get the money to pay for this? Well, it wasn't that much. I had some money. From your new job? Uh, yeah, from my new job. I came home before work on Wednesday and your car was in the driveway. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't have to lie to me. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I had a line on something and I missed the appointment. Oh, why'd you miss the appointment? It slipped my mind. It didn't slip your mind. You didn't want the job. You just went to the counselor because I forced you to. Am I right? Now, what's your point, Andy? My point is you just didn't go. Are you saying I deliberately missed the appointment? Yes. Is this how you feel about me? Yes. Well, I didn't know this. Well, now you do. Oh, you know everything now, huh? You're 18 and you've got a scholarship and uh, you're not uh, fair. grown up and free and I'm just an ignorant son of a bitch that never gave you anything. Hey, I never asked for anything. Oh, that's brilliant. Why can't you just forget her? 
It's late. You got school. No, don't walk out on this. Will you please just listen to me? Please? I've already been through this, Andy. Sure, you go through it every day. You're still going through it. Why can't you just realize that she's gone and she's not going to come back? She's never coming back. Shut up! And it's, Shut why can't it. you accept it? She's just gone. She, why can't you accept it? Because I love her, that's why. Well, I loved her too, you know. She just didn't love us back. Okay, she tried. I don't know, she just couldn't handle it. But I, I knew it. I knew it all along. I mean, when I was five, I felt it. Remember when she didn't come home that time? I knew it then. I knew why. I was 14, and I knew it. You were 50, and you did The next day, Andy waits for Blaine in his locker, and things go from bad to worse. How you doing? Why haven't you called me? Oh, I got nailed for the stable thing. I guess the groom's house is against club rules. I called you three times, and I left messages. Yeah? Well, I didn't, I didn't get on my family. They're very responsible about that stuff, you know? I waited for you this morning. Yeah, where? Parking lot. I saw you and I thought that you saw me. No. What about prom, Blaine? Andy, I'm having a bad day. Can we talk later? No. What about prom? Come on, why don't we just meet after school? No! What about prom? Andy, come on. Just say it. What? Just say it. I want to hear you say it. Andy, please, all right? I want to hear you say it. A month ago, I asked somebody else and I forgot. You're a liar! You're a filthy fucking no-go liar! You didn't have the guts to tell me the truth! Just say it! I'm not lying. Tell me! What? Tell me! What do you want to hear? Just tell me! What? You're ashamed to be seen with no, me. I am you're not. ashamed I to am go not. out with me. You're afraid. No, you're terrified that your goddamn rich friends want to prove. Just say it. Just tell me the truth. You don't understand that it has nothing at all to do with you. Andy. Andy. I want you to just take off Steph, please. Well, listen, any girl that did that to me, I would not be too jazzed to hold on to, Blaine. It's not worth it, man. I told you it wasn't going to work, you know? The girl was, is, and will always be nada. You got a problem, friend?
Nice, huh? Yeah, in the fight, Ducky got in a tackle and a punch, but he didn't quite win the fight with Steph. And Blaine couldn't take the heat from his friends and decided to back out on Andy. What's interesting is if Andy hadn't finally cornered him, he would have just dropped out completely, which is totally gutless on his part. All right, in any case, I'm sure there are some folks that have not seen the film, so I don't want to spoil the final 15 minutes for you. But what's really interesting about the ending is that it has always divided fans, with some always hoping for a different outcome. So at the end, I will get into that. So if you, if you haven't seen the film, skip that part of the episode and just watch the film. Now, I will say Some Kind of Wonderful is the natural sequel, though com- with completely different characters, to Pretty in Pink. So if you didn't like the ending in Pretty in Pink, you should like the ending of Some Kind of Wonderful. Uh, Pretty in Pink is just a terrific film. I think it stands the test of time, regardless of generation. So while some folks will appreciate this film simply for 80s nostalgia, you know, the plot and the characters resonate with most folks, especially teenagers trying to fit in. That's timeless. And that was the brilliance of the characters that John Hughes always seemed to create. And frankly, we all go through the click thing, even as we get older. And the Andy character has always been one of my favorites because we've known people who are simply more mature than others at a younger age. And in her case... It was because she had to be, and ultimately, the cool kids in school usually peak then, and then they end up living pretty sad lives. Now, I've always had a conflicted view of Ducky, partly because I've always enjoyed the Andy character so much. Ducky is complicated. On one hand, he's a terrific person to have as a friend, but not a romantic partner, simply because he's such a handful. And while it would be idealistic to think that Ducky and Andy should be together, that's simply not what Andy wants, and it's obvious. And if you think about it, Pretty in Pink was sort of the end of the Molly Ringwald John Hughes trilogy. Of course, it started with 16 Candles, went to the Breakfast Club, and finally ended with Pretty in Pink. All right, this is a spoiler alert, so if you haven't seen the film, uh, tune out or skip ahead. But the original ending, so if you haven't seen the film, again, skip this part. It gives everything away. But it wouldn't be a complete episode if I don't discuss these vital points associated with the film. So... Test audiences absolutely love this film, the original version, until the ending at the prom. As you may know, the original ending had Andy picking Ducky over Blaine at the prom. The test audiences absolutely detested the ending because they were so invested in Andy ending up with Blaine because the whole film had this journey set up for that sort of ending. And that's who Andy really wants to be with the whole time. And Deutsch said that the audience literally booed the ending. And if you were wondering, here was the original ending. So Andy and Ducky arrive at the prom separately. They eventually see each other. They come together and dance a moonlight dance together as everyone in the prom, including Blaine, watches them dance. This was to show that their solidarity as friends would keep them together and have them overcome any adversity they may face in the future. During the filming of the original ending, Molly Ringwald was feeling sick that day, and the dance involved a lot of spinning, which was not very pleasant on her stomach, as you can imagine. And it's also not very romantic at all, as a queasy Molly Ringwald just finally collapsed. Even then, both Ringwald and John Cryer felt the original ending just didn't work. You can't force romantic chemistry. Now, originally, Robert Downey Jr. was considered for the part of Ducky, and Ringwald really thought that Downey was cute and thought that she could end up with Ducky if it was played by Robert Downey Jr. Of course, Downey wasn't cast, and then the outlook sort of changed. Ringwald said that Downey auditioned for Ducky in more of an eccentric way than what ultimately John Cryer portrayed Ducky as. And this isn't a knock on Cryer, it's just a different dynamic with him as Ducky. Now, Ringwald did end up working with Robert Downey on The Pickup Artist, which I covered as a past episode. 
Ringwald even told Howard Deutsch that it felt like she was ending up with her brother if she ended up with John Cryer as Ducky, because that's the type of chemistry they had. It was like a sibling, a platonic friend bond, not a romantic bond like she would have had with Downey. The problem now was figuring out a new ending that would still fit the premise of the plot, which was essentially true love. The fact that Ducky loved Andy in the purest form was difficult to transition from. So how could Hughes and Deutsch make a new ending work and still keep the original premise intact? Hughes and Deutsch were in the editing room after the test screening, and Hughes figured it out. Blaine had to come alone to the prom. And from that one idea, the rest of what turned out to be the ending that everyone knows and loves was written by John Hughes on the spot right there. But there was one more problem, though. Paramount would only give Deutsch one day to film this new ending. And they did, six months after the initial filming wrap. And if you notice, Andrew McCarthy's hairstyle looks significantly different than the rest of the film in the prom scene. And this was because he had already taken a stage play where he had to shave his head. And so the hair that you see in the prom scene is a wig. Now, that was true love that Andy still went with Blaine with this awful wig hair. (laughs) Now, that's not to say that Hughes, Deutsch, and the other producers were happy with having to reshoot the ending. At first, they kind of felt that they were selling out because Andy was choosing the rich guy instead of the nice guy with a great heart. But in the end, they realized they needed to please the audience. And the audience simply wanted Andy to end up with a guy she was attracted to and loved. And that was Blaine. Didn't matter if he was rich. Ultimately, movies aren't always for creative integrity. Sometimes you make compromises for the greater good of entertainment and the fantasy that the audiences want. But look, in the end, John Hughes, the genius that he was, was able to balance that fine line of giving the audience what they wanted and also keeping the integrity of the original story. Plus, Ducky does quite well for himself. And this, again, was the brilliance of John Hughes coming up with a spontaneous and humorous ending. You'll have to watch the film to find that out, but it does involve Christy Swanson. All right, I mentioned that I would go through the soundtrack. This was originally going to be where I talked to another guest about this. It just never panned out. I was supposed to do this years ago, but I always had my notes about what I would talk about each song and then, you know, chat about with the other person. It just never happened. So why don't I go through each track? And here we go. We'll start with uh, one of the (laughs) best 80s movie songs ever and most notable, and that is If You Leave from OMD, which is Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. So yeah, the soundtrack starts with a bang as this is the huge hit from the movie and it's the centerpiece of the scene at the dance, which of course leads to the makeout scene between Andy and Blaine. I think every girl who grew up in this era adores this song. The tone and the feel is incredibly 80s, which that's a good thing. The song is almost always included in top movie songs along with most 80s playlists. It's just a really well-crafted song and immediately puts you back to this movie. I personally love the layered vocals and you get a, you know, a top high end and, a, and then a lower range of mix, you know, that's mixed perfectly. There are ebbs and flows to the track, which never allows the song to get repetitive or boring. It's just a terrific 80s pop track. Now, OMD had been around since the late 70s, but If You Leave was their huge breakout hit. But interestingly enough, when John Hughes asked 
them to write a song for Pretty in Pink, they chose another song called Goddess of Love, and the song was hated by test audiences. So the band quickly wrote, if you leave in 24 hours, rest is history. The next song is Left to Center, performed by Suzanne Vega with Joe Jackson on piano. interesting song because it fits the vibe of the film but it does not feel uh really like an 80s song at all i think this singer songwriter vibe could have worked perfectly in the 90s because that's when you had tori amos and natalie merchant and sarah mclaughlin and plenty other lilith fair type artists so this is a track that may get overlooked because it follows the enormous hit of if you leave that happens sometimes on albums through going through the ebbs and flow of an album but this is a really underrated track i found myself listening to this more than any other song on the album it's one of my favorites and if you dig into the lyrics i would assume suzanne vega wrote this song through the perspective of andy ducky or potentially even iona andy is left to center she's an outsider whereas blaine is rich and you know perfect as for when it plays in the film it's quickly played on a boombox in the background when andy and ducky are in a room studying Suzanne Vega actually released her debut album a year prior uh, to the soundtrack and Left to Center did pretty well for her, but it was the song Luca, which was released a year later, which was a huge hit. It was really interesting that that song became such a hit because the subject matter was incredibly dark, especially a pop song. It was about an abused child. The next song, Get to Know Ya, is by Jesse Johnson. Now, this is more 80s, especially with the synthesizers pushed to the front of the mix. It's definitely uh, got a Prince New Wave vibe, and the vocals were definitely influenced by Prince. And then you get a pretty prominent guitar solo, which, again, could have been on a Prince album. I like the song. It's pretty much trying to copy Prince, as I've said over and over, but I, I really don't mind. Funny enough, I, I came up with my thoughts about this song before researching the artist, because as it turns out, my initial thoughts were totally valid. Jesse Johnson was the guitarist for the band The Time, you know, Morris Day in The Time. And of course, The Time was part of Prince's most successful movie and soundtrack, Purple Rain, so there you go. This song is actually played 30 seconds into the house party scene. The next song, Do What You Do, from In Excess.
Now, I love In Excess. This isn't one of their hits, but people probably know it fairly well because of the soundtrack. I wouldn't call it one of their best, but it fits the vibe of the soundtrack pretty well. It, it sounds like fairly generic In Excess, but honestly, that's okay. Uh, the band had a unique sound to them, be- mostly because of Michael Hutchinson's voice. Again, I don't mind the song at all, but there are tons of other In Excess tracks to check out if you want to get into this band. Next is Pretty in Pink from the Psychedelic Furs. This is the other major hit from the movie. Obviously, it's the title track, but this is the other go-to song if you're burnt out on If You Leave. This is where you get more of a serious emo vibe with the soundtrack, and this is why I think the soundtrack resonated with many teens in the 80s because it didn't just have one sound throughout the album. Uh, I definitely enjoy this track because it's got some depth and substance, and it's uh, why the band is still kind of revered to this day. Plus, there's a saxophone, which listeners know. Love me some sax. This is a song that's playing uh, during the intro scene uh, to the film and also three other times at various points. This is actually the second version of the song because the original was recorded on their 1981 album, Talk, Talk, Talk. Now, some purists didn't like the re-recorded version because it's much slicker and poppier than the original. With that being said, the movie was named after this song, so fans can't complain that much, though that's what fans do best. Honestly, to my ears... The song isn't that much different than the original. Yes, the 1981 version is definitely raw, but I don't think the re-recording butchers the original feel to the song at all. Next is Shell Shock from New Order. Like In Excess, I really like New Order. They were incredibly important to the sound of the new wave scene of the 80s, and the song starts out very generic synth 80s, though. I mean, this could have been the score for hundreds of films during the 1980s. However, the song does eventually redeem itself and gets a little more unique and fits to you know what New Order was known for. I can't really explain why I enjoy the song. I sort of like having it on in the background because it does remind me of why I enjoyed the 80s and the pop music of the 80s because it was much more unique and enjoyable than what came out afterward. And it's also the longest song on the album. There's another New Order song in the film called Thieves Like Us, which is playing uh, when Andy decides to make her own prom dress. However, Shell Shock is playing when Ducky decides not to be friends with Andy anymore after she decided to go out with Blaine and he's riding his bike around town. Next, Round Round by Baluis Stone.
this is an interesting song. There are parts of it I enjoy, like the breakdown, um, but they almost sound like a generic version of the Cars, and I do enjoy the Cars. However, the song is just kind of sort of boring and repetitive. I'd likely skip it unless I've zoned out, and we'll just leave it playing on the background. Uh, this is the typical middle-of-the-album type filler song, but I do have this on vinyl, so because of vinyl, I don't really skip songs, so there you go. Now, Belewis Stone, I had never heard before this soundtrack. And actually, uh, he was pretty much a club artist until the success of the soundtrack gave him more of a following. He ended up opening for Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Next, Wouldn't It Be Good by Danny Hutton Hitters. Great chorus, by far the best part of this track. The buildup, kind of forgettable, but then every time the chorus comes back, I get hooked, backed in. Kind of frustrating song because if the rest of the song matched the great chorus and the breakdown, the song would actually be one of my favorites, but it's way too inconsistent to be one of my faves, but I still listen to it despite being somewhat frustrating. Uh, the last half of the song remains uh, with the good parts with you know the chorus at least. So this song is playing in the scene where Steph hits on Andy next to her car and then after she rejects him, uh, he then calls her a bitch. She drives off, and the song plays and continues uh, while Andy and Iona uh, talk at the record store. Danny Hutton was actually one of the original vocalists in Three Dog Night. There were three vocalists. He started this bang long after Three Dog Night disbanded, and Wouldn't It Be Good was actually a cover song from Nick Kershaw, uh, who was popular in the 80s uh, in the UK. Next, Bring On The Dancing Horses by Echo and the Bunnymen. Another band that was a staple of the 80s new wave scene. Uh, really a mesmerizing song that absolutely fits the vibe of the film. And it's a song that you appreciate more with repeated listens. On the surface, it may seem like a generic type of track, but it's anything but that. Uh, there are many layers and textures in this song that make it one of the standout tracks on the album. It's, it was also written specifically for this film. This is playing in the background when Blaine flirts with Andy in the record store, and then Ducky pulls the fire alarm to get Andy's attention. Echo and the Bunnymen, if you didn't know, they're still popular to this day, much like New Order and Excess. And if you're into 80s New Wave uh, or post-punk, uh, Echo and the Bunnymen should be on your short list of bands to check out if you haven't already discovered them. The last song on the album is Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want by The Smiths. Good times for a change See the luck I've had Can make a good man turn back 
so please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what I want this time Haven't had a dream in a long time See the life I've had can make a good man bad So for once in my life let me get what I want Lord knows it would be the first time Lord knows it would be the first time I've never been a huge Smiths or Morrissey fan, mostly because of his attitude. Makes him come off as uh, a douche almost every time he speaks. Uh, With that being said, look, this song is terrific. It's a beautiful song, and there are plenty of artists that I don't necessarily like because of their personas, but I can still enjoy their music. I'd say the most frustrating part about this track, it's so short. There could definitely be at least a minute or two longer, uh, especially with the instrumental parts. So this is playing when Ducky mournfully propped his head up on his bed thinking about why he can't have Andy. So fans of Ferris Bueller's Day Off will likely know that the instrumental cover version of this was performed by Dream Academy when Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan are walking around the museum. And then Cameron is staring deeper and deeper into one of the paintings. All right, some fun facts. So because Molly Ringwald didn't initially take this role, there were a number of actresses considered. I already mentioned Jennifer Beals. But there was also Tatum O'Neill and Lori Laughlin and Diane Lane, Sarah Jessica Parker, and then Brooke Shields were all considered. Angelica Houston was offered the part of Iona, but she didn't take it. And so if you're wondering where the school scenes were shot, it was at the same Los Angeles high school where Grease was made, the original Grease in 1978. Now, Molly Ringwald has given her thoughts about Ducky many years later, saying that he likely came out as gay as an adult. And look, I can definitely see her point watching Ducky with hindsight eyes. All right, we have two special guests. We have the always hilarious Sarah, because you never know what she's going to say. And she's a child of 80s, just like super producer Lindley, both of whom have been guests on Damn Good Movie Memories since the beginning of this podcast. So you'll have a great time hearing about their thoughts about this film and John Hughes films in general. And I'll be back next week with yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, so we are back with Sarah. It's been far too long. I, Reunited. I can't remember the well. Long time. long time ago, with your sister, we did a great discussion, oh, and also Tiffany. Oh, that's uh, a great. We talked way to about leave it. we talked about flash dance and all sorts of things. So we're going to go back to the '80s. You're wearing your Nintendo shirt right now, which is great. It's, it's classic. classic. <laughs> uh, we're going to first talk about uh, Pretty in Pink. And so, do you remember if you saw this in the theater or was it? I uh, don't believe I saw it in the theater. Okay. I was probably I, I was in an inappropriate age, I'm sure, for like anything having to do with all that. So you know, I'm sure it was on an illegal cable box that my 
parents had that, mm-hmm. you know, so you could watch HBO even though you didn't pay for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at home, nu- numerous times. I might have even had the VHS at one time because I can remember the cover of it. Okay. So what was the most inappropriate movie you watched at a young age that you can remember before oh, we get gosh. into Pretty in the Pink? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably, well, like, I remember scary movies. I remember watching Poltergeist numerous times mm-hmm. and then going to like the $2 theater where, oh no, I've watched Poltergeist on the illegal cable box. <laughs> right. So then going to like the cheap theater with like <clears throat> my mom and her girlfriend and the, the guy was explaining the movies that were there. He goes, well, this one Poltergeist is probably not appropriate. For, I was like 10. Yeah. And she's like, she's seen it already. We're good. <laughs> um, which I love that movie. And then, oh God, well, Grease, I didn't know that they were inappropriate innuendos. Porky's for, for sure. Oh yeah. But I don't think I really got it. At a lot of a lot of it, but there was a couple. Oh, so Last American Virgin was probably pretty inappropriate. Yeah, actually, and that and was I, pretty heavy. Yeah, and yeah. I saw that uh, Fast Times. Yes, saw that totally. I saw all these before I was probably, but definitely before I was fourteen, thirteen. Okay, I had the older sister, you know. Yeah, so exactly. So she she's the like, bad oh, influence. Let's do this. Yeah, Plus absolutely. Plus, illegal cable box. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty and pink is not heavy duty. Like this is not. No, it's not. I mean, now they would flag it for bullying. I'm sure, right? Because the girls in it are really mean to. Um, I guess. Remember when they were like, "Eh, is that, where'd you get that outfit? And then they're making fun, you know, you know, they're just like mean. And what's his name? Uh, the guy that's always the douche, Spade. Spader. Yeah, James Spader, yeah. who plays Steph. Yeah. Oh my God, he had hair then, and it was like a good thing for him. But yeah, who would have known? So actually, between Steph, if you we leave out personality, Steph and Blaine, would you actually be hotter for Steph? <sighs> you for know Steph? what? I like assholes, even though I'm not <laughs> supposed to. So I don't know. It'd be a toss-up. Actually, yeah, Blaine would probably be too nice. Yeah. Hey. Oh. Just like your cats. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God. They're going at it, folks. Sorry, that's. I wouldn't say like cats and dogs, but it's cats and cats. Oh my God, somebody's in dire need of attention right now. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I and I think I was probably more attracted to Blaine because he was cute, but yeah. like he seems like the type of guy you'd have to make the move. Yeah, and be like, oh my God. So did you like how it was almost like early um, instant messaging when they're at the computer? And they're in the computer lab. And oh, he, that's right. He, yes, that's a, yes. Mm-hmm. So was that kinda, was kind of cute. I forgot neat. about that. Yeah, it was almost like in. Um, what was it? Uh, Sixteen candles when they're passing the notes. Yes, exactly. And you she know. slowly, she write, yeah, drops. It. I I remember the pens that they used, and yeah. I wanted those pens so bad. The way that like it made the noise, which was sending the notes. Back. So anyway. we both grew up pre-internet. We both grew up oh in the eighties. So it was we were cool like that. It was so much. I guess better that you could, you had actually you know interface right, interact, with people right yeah. or like talk on the phone right and be like uh yeah have that awkward conversation and like keep yeah. it going and miss their phone call mm-hmm. and hope that your parents didn't like make an idiot out of themselves when somebody called it's like who called I don't know some guy and it's like <laughs> oh god you have to wait by the phone yeah, instead totally. of having your phone on right you and, and you didn't know if your friends were out and you were missing out you didn't know till Monday if that and it was never as bad as like it is oh, so, so did bad. you have your own phone line or was it I did so oh, you lucked out. what's funny is my sister and I ended up getting our having a phone line because <laughs> Because what started to happen was we would get phone calls every day from the attendance office. Really? <laughs> the recording. And my mom got so irritated. And uh, so, yeah, we I just, the beginning of the year, I basically, the first note that they ever received when I was a freshman was in my handwriting. So they never again <laughs> questioned 
that it was a note from my mom and I just wrote it. So I changed our phone number. I said, Oh, we've changed our number. So now, so, it, and then we had a m- message machine with a little tape. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so I had my own phone. Thank goodness. It was a clear, no, I had a regular phone. And then when my fo- mom would get mad, take my phone away under my bed, I had a clear swatch watch phone Right. that would, you turn the ringer off, but it would light up. That's right. It was I pretty, was, I was scared. The eighties were cool. Yeah. I was out of control. So I, you know, in many ways, Molly Ringwald's character is actually very cool. She's actually way. Oh ahead. yeah. She's, she's like the edgy girl, yeah. like smart, glasses. She's got a job. She works mm. at a cool record store. She sews. Yeah. yeah. Just working at the record store. All the kids that worked at the record store growing up were like always the cool kids. Yeah. Right. But she was also like the mom to herself too because the mom's gone mm-hmm. and her dad's kind of useless. So right. how, how did you feel about that whole dynamic? Um, You know, I thought it was cute in a way because I never had to worry about my parents. <laughs> but it was like... You know, you didn't really realize the, I, I didn't pay attention to the fact that I'm like, he's a right alcoholic yeah. and he's going to be a big hot mess. Whatever happened to her, the mom died, right? Or did she leave? Uh, she just left them. Okay, she yeah. did. And she ne- was weird. never coming back. Okay. And he never got over it. Right. Yeah. And so clearly he started drinking from there on out. Well, and it's also so. kind of a, a melding of Ducky because Ducky, he kind of, they kind of bond. Where's, where's his family? That's a great point. They never explain why Ducky's because you see him in his room at some point. And it almost looks like he's living in this like flea bag motel. Right, right. It's like they don't mention his parents at all. Yeah, maybe his parents are just like the annoying, like the parents from Weird Science, mm-hmm. where they're like sitting on their chairs. Well, in the it's a kid's room. story, I guess. Right, right. But it's fascinating that uh, you know Ducky kind of mirrors the dad in some ways. It's like he even says, like, you can love her. It doesn't mean she's going to love you back. Right, so. right, exactly. I remember his shoes. He had creepers. Yeah, those funky shoes. So, did you? Some people are just super annoyed by Ducky. Other people like think, "Oh, no, he was." I always, I was almost like a female version of that. (laughs) And when I was in um, junior high and high school, yeah, very quirky. Like, got voted most off the wall because I would wear like the most, uh, the weirdest crap. Like, like what? Like I'd wear like before it was popular. I'd wear like tights and men's boxer shorts with like (laughs) dogs on them, and like these like something that could have been an ugly Christmas sweater, but it wasn't a Christmas sweater, and I would wear it any time of the year. There have to be pictures of, and my hair was green. Okay. For a while. Um, that was kind of by accident. But yeah, it was more of an army green because I had blonde hair growing up. And mm-hmm. I thought right before I started, um, was it sixth grade or seventh grade? I'm, I'm going to color my hair dark, not knowing what I know now and just grabbed a box color that was like an ash brown. And you put that on blonde hair and you have army green. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> like, is your hair green? I'm all, no, no, it's not. <laughs> So how long did you keep it like that? Well, until it kind of washed out, you know, and, but I mean, that was back when we didn't even know how to do our hair. It looked like, it was like, oh, make a big claw bang. And it was just awful. It's like, who has hairspray? Mm." I was just a hot mess. And you haven't had blonde hair since, like, when's the last time When it was really short, like Billy Idol and white Oh, you did that? I did that probably right before we met. Um, When I was right after like cosmetology school. No way. Yeah. So it was, I have pictures somewhere. So if you can't picture, Sarah's got beautiful, like long brown hair now. <laughs> and so I just can't picture. Oh wait, wait till like I show you. Yeah. I have a yearbook over there. I will show yeah. you. Okay. I, I've, I've literally pulled out the book out and I'm like, can you find me? And people are like, you're not even in this picture. I'm all, oh, but that is me right now. <laughs> oh, you'll die. And I had eyebrows. It was such a great time. Yeah. It was before the. So was your sister completely the opposite? Was she more? She was actually a weird kind of goth, what they would call goth back in the day. Really? Yeah. She had like shaved the sides of her head and it was like, she looked like a female Robert Smith. It was like all big and she had the white face and the lipstick and the dark <laughs> lipstick and the eyeliner like Susie from Susie and the yeah, Banshees. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I kind of tried to mirror that a little bit, but I was a little bit like I was funkier, mm-hmm. like more like a bad punky Brewster kind of. So you must weird. have loved this movie. because Oh my God, I totally yeah. did. I yeah. wanted to sew after that. 
but I didn't have a sewing machine, so or fabric or anything. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get into the like just the the crux of all this. Do you think she should end up with Blaine or Ducky? I think she should have ended up with Blaine, mm-hmm. or she could have blown everybody away and gone with the jerk. But no, because <laughs> he clearly wanted her. He clearly wanted which her, which is the whole reason he was so angry. It was I the know. one girl he couldn't get right, and he was just oh, he said, but because with his blazer or whatever he had on. Yeah. Um. No, I think. Uh, Blaine was, you know, that's she, Ducky. She grew up with. If she wanted to nail Ducky, she could have done it like <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And nobody wants the guy that's like falling all over you. Hence, right. you know, why they like jerks. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I would have loved to have seen like you know four or five years later what happened. He, they probably went to college. Mm-hmm. He dumped her anyway. Mm-hmm. And or maybe she realized he. I don't think she would have realized that he was a douche and found some you know intellectual dude in college. Yeah. Uh, but. I think it would have like, you know, it's like that whole, oh, star-crossed lovers, blah, blah, blah. But it would, in reality, it would not have worked out. Well, she probably gained more confidence in the romantic end. But she would have probably been super successful as a designer right. or something like that. Right. And he may have. Well, weren't his seen- parents jerks about it? Um, Wasn't it something like, oh, she, no, she, you you're embarrassed of parents. me. Yeah. No, he, like, she says something to yeah. him about that whole blowout. She's like, you're yeah. embarrassed of me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, and his, and his friends, you're yeah. embarrassed. You actually never see any parent except for her dad. In that oh, film, smart. Yeah, you're right. Which actually is a typical John Hughes type of right. Trope. I guess you don't. He pretty much keeps it with the. Did you, you know, know? And this is off subject, but yeah. in um, the Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. that when Anthony Michael Hall gets dropped off by yeah. his mom and yeah. his sister, that's his real mom. Yeah, yeah, totally knew that. <laughs> so yeah, that well, you better learn something. Well, you're the, figure out a way to. So study. I'm glad you brought up Anthony Michael Hall. He was originally the first selection to be Ducky because really? of John Hughes and he turned it down he never worked with John Hughes again which oh, is a career John killer John Hughes might have well been. he wrote Pretty in Pink for Molly Ringwald oh, okay. he, that was his go to was she in another any other movies that he had 16 Candles okay he had already done that Breakfast right. Club and, okay but yeah. were those I did, in, in yeah, the yeah. order this of is, this is the last of those three. oh this is and the this last is, I believe is the last movie so he, he did had a with thing her. for Molly Ringwald I, he, I think it was just her he could write for her oh. like it was just she was the perfect actor. and then he kind of killed her career because what'd she do after that she really didn't do much, no, actually. No, he kind of typecast her ass. Yeah. Thanks. Well, no, I think she... She married some French dude and yeah, like, moved away, fine. and she was yeah. too cool. Yeah, she probably... Yeah, and all the... You know, it's funny. When you've watched those movies on, like, when they would be on, like, regular TV, mm-hmm. and they cut out, like, so many of the yeah. things, and then then you actually watch it, you're like, oh, God, I forget about that. Because yeah. this is when they would either have to change the word that they said yeah, or whatever. Exactly. I don't think there was that much swearing. I don't remember. There really wasn't. I no. think she, they might've dropped one F bomb. Cause that's how you can get away with it. You can drop one F bomb. Right. I think 13. 16 candles might've had more than, Oh my that God. That was an R because I believe there's nudity in it. Well, and they, yeah. they steal her underwear. Yeah. But there's a shower scene. Cause there's oh, gotta be a shower you're scene right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Got it. So. Yeah. I feel, yeah. Pretty in pink. Wasn't that, the, that had one of the best soundtracks too. All of his movies had it, awesome it, soundtracks. It, they did. And they're not obvious. Yeah. Like, right. You know, there's a great, um, Suzanne Vega song. Like uh-huh. that's the center. Oh my God. My favorite is yeah. the scene in the record store where they play Otis Red. That yeah. probably, which isn't on the soundtrack. Cause I don't think they, Jerks. they couldn't get the rights to that. Oh song. really? But yeah. they could put it in the movie. Well, it's different. It's a different type of deal. So oh, that that probably but, solidified my love of like Motown and, and Soul. And, yep, yeah, all that. I love that. But what I mean, that the way it's choreographed is perfect. Was that like on the fly, or did he just? I, it's choreographed. It is. But he makes it his own. Like oh he, my God, the, chore- I love the it. choreographer figured out how he could do it. And you uh, know, it would be perfect. great is to get a bunch of like what are they Gen X, Millennial, whatever that have seen like John Cryer and stuff, or yeah, all these actors, yeah. and then show them what they look like now, yeah. like. Actually, what what show? Oh, my my niece was watching something that had Rob Lowe in it, and my sister's like, "Oh my god, let me just 
let me, oh no, it, it was, it was outsiders. She's watching the outsiders oh, yeah. and she's like in love with all of them. My sister tried to, sh- you want to see what they look like now? She's like, no mom, do not ruin it. Do not ruin it. <laughs> Rob Lowe still looks good. Yeah. He does yeah. still look good. He's yeah. drinking the blood of virgins for sure. Cause I don't know. <laughs> the rest of Ma- Machio, not so much. Didn't he? I, do you watch Cobra Kai? I, I do yeah. watch Cobra Kai. Yeah. I, I, I love William Zabka. Oh my Johnny. God. He's oh so my God. I know. He's the, he's the uh, male you. Right. Did you know that he wrote a movie actually yeah. and got an Oscar? I, I think I or was all nominated. You're right. For an independent something yeah. that he, and I'm like, good for him. Cause I was thinking he was literally doing what his yeah. character has been doing. But that's been great. It's been a nice flashback to. Yeah. To he was only in like a couple other movies. He was, uh, oh, he's always a jerk. He's back to school. Well, except yeah. for in, um, uh, vacation. He was the boyfriend. True. But even and, then he's kind of like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He, he barely had his small part in that. Yeah. You're vacation yeah okay so to kind of wrap this up i have to assume that one of your favorite characters has to be iona oh, from annie God, that is exactly what i was kind of like yeah she was like weird wearing weird stuff and yeah i loved her i loved her and i probably you know years of working with like in you know retail or mm-hmm. service it's like i would be the old chick at times towards the end i'm like the old <laughs> girl that works with all these high school people yeah. and i'm like schooling them on like okay don't ever do this and if you're going to lie to your parents, you need to A, B, and C. So, like, yeah. You're fun and cool. Yeah, I was yeah. very fun and cool. And you didn't rat them out. No, you never rat them out. But yeah. I loved at the end when she, like, was going on a date with, like, a... A yuppie. And yeah. Yeah. I was like, I always hoped that she would do something. And then she went to work at, for Ghostbusters after that, I guess. Oh, before that. <laughs> oh, before that. Yeah. But she'd been around for a long time. But yeah. She, she is that character. And that's, that's yeah. what's so exactly. fun about her. Yeah, I loved her. She was so cute. She's trying on all her prom dresses and stuff. So, But yeah. I love, like, the, one of the best lines is uh, Ducky. It's in the record store. And Ducky's like, oh, you know, what would, it, what would you do for me? He's like, change your diapers. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that and is. Kiss, and he kisses her. Right. And she's just to, like, yeah. no, sorry, yeah. whatever. And don't forget, Andrew Dice Clay is the. That's right. He's the guy, and I love that. He isn't he playing with like a knife or something out he's in front of. He's doing his uh, cigarette trick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Wasn't he in another movie too? He's in a lot of movies. Here's the other thing. Weren't they at like a club? Yeah, they went to a rock club. Okay. Yeah. How, where? How old were they? What clubs were they getting into? Well, as long as they don't drink, I think you could. Still Was get back in. then you could get in Probably. when you were like fifteen. Well, they wouldn't let in Ducky, but women could get in because right because Ducky was a freaking yeah. dork. And like, yeah, what were they? 16. So he got in because Iona says, it's my kid. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. I love it. But it's like, it was a school night. Like who gets to hang out and do all that kind of stuff? Again, like I, you never, she got good grades. I don't know about anybody else. No, they, maybe they were like the parents that bought their kids into college. Well, that's why Ducky, what was Ducky going to do? He didn't go to school. Right. Did he not? He never went to school. Well, he was at school, but I think it was kind of a, thank you, Benny. I'm sorry. (laughs) He wants to chime in. Yeah. Um, it's never really talked about. Like he didn't really have a future. His future is to love her. <laughs> That's oh, man. Yeah. I wonder Which is what sad. he ended up with some crazy chick and he OD'd. Well, Mo- Molly Ringwald series, like he he didn't realize he's gay. He's just a gay guy. And yeah, you know what? You're right. Figured it out. That was that. Yeah, that's true. So I don't feel so bad for him now. No. But at the end, remember at the dance when mm-hmm. like the oh, chick gets, looks at him. You know and, who that is? Who? Christy Swanson. Oh, that's right. And she's gorgeous. Yeah, she only gets that quick little part, yeah. right? Yeah. And then and then she's in another 1986 um, John Hughes movie. He's Which one? Ferris Bueller. She's the... Uh, he's sick. He, my friend said You're he passed right. out 31 flavors. Look, at, she had to do her time before she got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know. And a lot of people don't know Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a movie. It was. Movie first. If you listen to damn good movie memories, you know that because I did that movie. So Yeah, well, I've never actually seen that one movie. That was like kind of towards my later years, right? It's 91, 92. Yeah, I was already doing bad things in high school at that okay. age. I well, at that point, <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out the next episode what <laughs> Sarah was doing. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, bye-bye. Okay, we are back with super producer Lindley. 
How are you doing? Good. I'm great. How are you, Brian? I'm great. And uh, I've always thought you kind of sounded like uh, Molly Ringwald. So you kind of have her kind of tone of voice. And so. I love that. I would love to. I mean, when I was young, when I was in high school, people thought I sound sounded like Winona Ryder. When Winona Ryder was, you know, it was like the Beetlejuice era, whatever her teen movies were. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Several people said I sounded like Winona Ryder. Do you know her film debut? It was with uh, Corey Haim. It's a cute movie from 1986. I know she was really young. Yeah, yes. I know. I know. I mean, I've seen, I think, clips of it when I think, oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm getting Molly Ringwald. I'm getting Molly Ringwald and, and Winona Ryder mixed up. Yes, I don't know Winona's debut. I know Molly Ringwald's because I saw an interview where John Hughes talked about her as his muse. So, right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, uh, did you ever see Lucas with uh, Corey Haim? Yeah. yeah love that. Lucas. I love that movie. Although. Yeah. No, not such a great <laughs> history, right? No, it actually, well, no, it holds up still pretty well. But it's interesting. No, no, because... no. Corey Haim was assaulted on oh, the set yeah. of that film. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, you don't want to Oh, talk. that's true. That <laughs> is true. That's, that's a great the point. movie he was assaulted on. That's, that's all I point. meant. Like, it's oh, a little marred. Allegedly by um, Charlie allegedly, Sheen. Of course, allegedly. Yeah. Or by, by whoever, or a mystery Hollywood producer. People are... Yeah. Hollywood person, and then people have put it together that it's Charlie Sheen. Sheen, yes. Yeah. Well, that's funny because I am going to be covering Lucas, so I will snip this out and put it in the Lucas episode. <laughs> no, apologies or trigger warning. Yes, yeah, no, not at all. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, that's funny. I totally forgot that. So, see, <laughs> you were worried about we'd have nothing to talk about. We yeah. obviously do. <laughs> uh, going back to Pretty and Pink, so do you remember do, if you saw this in the theater when it first came out? I remember. I absolutely did not see it in the theater because I saw. I did see Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club in the theater. I mean, I saw Sixteen Candles when I was. 12 in the you know sixth grade or seventh grade okay um and i thought it was the greatest movie i'd ever seen in my life loved every second of it watched it on dvd and I me mean, now it's like a movie i won't even show my 16 year old <laughs> which she's watched euphoria so that doesn't even matter but yeah, yeah you euphoria know, is like, a million times worse <laughs> well i mean the whole like yeah yeah you know the problem well, the long problematic long part. Long, yeah well there's the racism the i mean they make fun of disabled people um yeah the, all of that i get but there there's the whole uh where he passes off his passed out girlfriend to well that's true too yeah michael anthony hall she's passed out and he's like oh you can have your way with her here's my girlfriend like yeah. jake ryan the good guy of the movie is like <laughs> just giving him his girlfriend it's like this whole date rape Ugh, mm-hmm. terrible i mean i know she wakes up in the morning and was like oh that was the most amazing night of my life i mean it's absurd it's so it terrible is. yeah anyway sorry well <laughs> so if you I'm, forget those parts it's still there's some very funny scenes <laughs> yes of course the grandparents uh, oh the grandparents are great um mm-hmm. So I would say that now if history, if, if Pretty in Pink holds up way better for than 16 Candles for you. I think so. And I've watched Pretty in Pink um, recent, like not recently, but probably in the last like five years, right? I mm-hmm. watched it with my daughter. Um, so yeah, it was, I didn't see anything that was terrible except for like mean rich kids versus, you know, the rich right. versus poor yeah. uh, scenario. Um, I don't remember any problematic parts though to it so i like remember 16 saying, candles is glaringly problematic yeah there's definitely <laughs> I, I remember you always saying like so when i bring up pretty and pink you're like oh it's basically valley girl in reverse yes right because she's the poor one yeah and he's the rich one yeah it is right except for 
Yeah, I guess it is. Oh, I would love a Valley Girl with Molly Ringwald and Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage. Like yeah. that would be so much better than the girl who plays the Valley Girl in Deborah <laughs> Foreman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know her. I know. I mean, I yeah, she was in also Real Genius. I think that's the last thing I've seen her in. She was. That's yeah. Good yeah, memory. yeah, yeah. Good recall. Mm-hmm. Just released on Blu-ray, by the way. So, um, oh. <laughs> I love Real Genius. <laughs> um, so, if you had to pick between Ducky, Blaine, or maybe you're a Steph person, who would have been mm. your? <laughs> who would have um, been the person you would you would have gone with in high school? Or preferred? Oh to? well, none. But I mean, I probably would have only attracted a ducky (laughs) (laughs) it definitely would not have been on the radar of a stuff or a blaine so yeah yeah. if i was lucky ducky would have yeah asked me out but yeah but i blaine would have no no if i was lucky ducky would have blaine and stuff no they're off they're never would never have interacted with boys like this no no i like blaine i'm just saying like that i would have yeah i would have never caught the eye of a blaine or stuff yeah, that's all okay. I'm saying. Well, what's interesting is um, now looking back, you almost think Ducky's probably gay if you really look. Well, at, I yeah. think she said it was based on, wasn't it based on Molly Ringwald's gay best friend or someone else's gay best friend? Someone, maybe Annie Potts, someone who, mm-hmm. or maybe the scriptwriters. I have no idea. Yeah, I think he should have been gay and I don't know why he wasn't. Right. Uh, and I well, don't see him as a romantic. <laughs> yeah, but the romantic story of her and Ducky is just so silly. Like, right. I didn't like that part at all, right? That was unnecessary. And that was the ending. That was the original ending. Yeah. She was supposed to end up with Ducky, but just, you know, I, I test audience saw it and they're like, well, we're already invested in Blaine. We're we, like, we, gross. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's not realistic. Like, she would have really, and in real life, Molly Ringwald was attracted to um, Andrew McCarthy, not oh, she was? John oh, okay. Pryor. Did and they so, date? I don't know this. I don't think dated, but really, it was supposed to be uh, Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to play Ducky. Oh well, that would have been, better. and she would have then you could have seen her <laughs> falling for Ducky. <laughs> and if he was more um, sarcastic, like more of a Robert Downey Jr. type, right? Yeah. Like an antihero type would have been a better if they wanted Ducky to be romantic. Yes, that would right. have been a better choice because Ducky's essentially a stalker. <laughs> I mean, granted, we don't think of it that it's way. It's like but, a, yeah. yeah, I see it as a fr- you know one of these people you're friends with in high school. Like I get it. Yeah, yeah. so. For me, the best character in this is um, Annie Potts. Oh, I love Annie Potts. Yeah, she is really great in it. And I love their relationship, like Molly Ringwald and Annie Potts's relationship. Harry Dean Stanton, I get he's a big name, but I've never, I don't know. That was the first time I saw him in a film. He's a great actor. So, but yeah, do, yeah. You, you didn't like him as the dad. I mean, I did. I think just the notion of him being unemployed, I don't know. It was just an uncomfortable, it was just kind of a sad part to a teen movie right to see a parent <laughs> just such a loser i don't know <laughs> well i get well i guess that, that added more to her plight um, yeah yeah i mean it was necessary out. i'm sure i don't know i mean i think steph is also great james spader as oh. steph is like the yeah. epitomizes the perfect 80s villain. you know villain <laughs> teen yeah. boy villain and it's so like I, we were, I was like walking with my son on campus or we were driving through his college campus Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of boys dressed like Steph. And I'm like, Jesus, they look like (laughs) Steph from, you know, pretty in pink. And he's like, yeah, you didn't. I'm like, what? There's still boys that look like this out here are still (laughs) going with this aesthetic. Are we, is it a retro trend or I don't understand. It was so bizarre. It's so funny seeing Spader now um, because he looks nothing like he did. I mean, he was almost a heartthrob back in the eighties. 
I mean, he's always a character actor, right? I don't know yeah. if he was ever a leading man, but yeah, he's good. Yeah, no, he's a great actor. Yeah, um, yeah he's good. So he's where, really good in this. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You, yeah. If, if you can resonate like hatred feelings, like I hate this character and you really do hate mm-hmm. Steph in this, mm-hmm. then it works and it, it makes sense. Um, where do you think uh, the Andy character would end up? So if there was a sequel to this, do you think she goes to college? Do you think she ends up with someone else? Like how, how would you see her? Yeah, I'm sure she goes to like Parsons. Mm-hmm. I'm sure her and Blaine break up after you know i don't know when they're around 19 (laughs) yeah he probably goes to yale or Mm -hmm. wherever you know and she goes to like a fashion or design school right wasn't that her thing she wanted to do fashion she she made all her prom dress so yeah so i'm sure she got a scholarship to parsons or some other famous fashion school and then she's probably in paris which is what happened to molly ringwald in real life right she married a frenchman (laughs) And moved to Paris and then divorced him. And now is with somebody else, right? And this was also the end of her working relationship with, with uh, John Hughes. So. Oh, did they have an acrimonious split? Or I think he wanted her for pretty much every... He wrote films for her afterwards. I think she yeah. stopped... I think she wanted to progress and I think he took offense to that. And then they never worked together after that. I think she stopped acting for a while too, right? Like she did go to college and go to Paris. And I thought she mm-hmm. was, she made a, I thought she took a break from acting. Like there were roles for her. I feel like I've read this um, recently. Somewhat, but she kept, wor- years. she kept working like in 87 and 88. They just weren't as uh, oh, okay. popular What films. was she in? Uh, she well, she was in the Pickup Artist, which was also with um, mm-hmm. Andrew uh, McCarthy, right? No, um, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, okay, okay, okay. She was in a movie called I just watched it the other day, uh, Fresh Horses with Andrew Andrew McCarthy. Oh, I remember Fresh Horses, it, kind it's of, yeah, dark. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and another one called For Keeps, which uh, uh, oh, I loved yeah. For Keeps. That yeah. was almost like a John Hughes type of movie, right? Yeah, and kind there was. Of. A, there was a story that was written that was supposed to be with um, Matthew Broderick and mm. uh, Molly Ringwald, but they're on the road, uh, but it never got made. It never got picked up. So was that the movie? Because he got in that fatal car. I mean, he wasn't the fatal. He was in that fatal car accident with Jennifer Jason. Gray. Wait, with Jennifer, Jennifer Gray. Gray. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And that um, he killed someone. He did. Yeah. yeah then, I think they were in within Europe. I, I'm pretty sure they were in yeah, Europe. Yeah, they were in the UK. I yeah. think in the UK. And like yeah. driving on the other side of the road was the reason or something. Like he moved to the wrong side of the road. Yes. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I don't remember the whole story, but it was something But yeah, like it was that. right around the time of Ferris Bueller. So yeah. Yeah. Um I think her career got stalled. Jennifer Gray's career kind of got stalled for that. Uh and then and she then, changed her, yeah. her look completely because her she got nose, a nose she got a nose yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which she should she, she would i always thought she was very attractive so i don't know what she, she is did, yeah. yeah i think most people don't need to get nose jobs no no yeah. but part of hollywood um <laughs> so if you could remember just off the top what is your favorite now favorite john hughes movie oh hmm i mean i guess the breakfast it would have to be the breakfast club or 16 candles i okay. guess even though i mean 16 candles with the caveat that i recognize that it is a terrible movie <laughs> with terrible message you know with like terrible things in it but what's so funny is i don't i don't know this isn't a 16 candles conversation like none of that even when i saw that movie i did not think anything was no wrong or bad about it it's no. like nothing bad there it was all just fun laughs but all great I, and, and that's kind of unfortunately there aren't movies like that anymore and i get it you kind of evolve as people but still the fun out of movies is gone now because everyone's too gets upset about everything now 
I mean, sort of, but I mean, I think there are movies that I just don't, maybe they're just not something I would watch. I mean, I would think Booksmart is kind of akin mm-hmm. to like, it's a teenage, you know, it's a it's Booksmart and um, what's the other movie? Ugh. Well, Licorice With, Pizza just came out. And oh, I haven't watched it. I really wanted to like it, but it's two hours and 15 minutes. It's too long too for that type of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what's the other movie with um Michael what's his name? Sarah? Sorry. Yeah, Michael Sarah, and they're both it's similar to Booksmart where they're seniors, they're nerdy seniors, and it's like their last weekend Juno? together. Oh. Judah Judah no Ju- Jonah Hill. Jonah yeah. Jonah Hill. Uh-huh. No, no, Michael oh, Sarah's in super bad. Yeah. So oh, sorry, there's great. like super bad and there's book they, smart. I think there have been teen comedies like those. Yeah. But even that was 10 years ago. Super bad. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. But is it, I don't know if it's as problematic. Maybe it is because they're trying to lose their virginity, I guess. No, there's not. I mean, it's real. I mean, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 yeah. Well, we'll get into 16 candles someday. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, not at all. Um, so if, Okay, so we kind of touched upon your dating life and and high school. So did you <laughs> my non-existent dating life? <laughs> so were were you just kind of in that and similar to Molly Ringwald's character where she was longing for someone, but yes, someone, yeah, of course, yeah. I wanted a boyfriend or a yeah. So is that why the movie attracted you, or you just kind of like the story in general? Oh, Pretty in Pink. Yeah. So I don't remember loving it when it came out. I remember thinking it was a little bit of a dud to me and i don't remember why it just wasn't one of my favorites i didn't watch it over and over again like probably watched it once on the old vcr and then (laughs) never watched it again i don't i yeah i don't know why maybe because it's not as quote-unquote fun as maybe 16 candles yeah maybe um or maybe it was also like her third movie right so you're kind of like over it was her third john hughes movie i think or were there more i think it was was. the third and last one right Yeah. yeah so I don't know. It was kind of like the character maybe was a little. You, you knew what you were going to get from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. I mean, she does play a different character, right? In the Breakfast Club, she's the rich, snotty one versus exactly. in the in Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink, she's kind of like the alt girl, right? Yeah, somewhat. And then, did you? I'm assuming you saw some kind of wonderful from with uh, Mary Stewart. Yeah, Rock. yeah, 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 yeah. Also similar to Mary, some kind of wonderful. I never really thought that was like this. Oh, I never okay. really connected. To it. I like the movie, and I. Yeah watched it but i was never like oh i love this so in many funny. ways yeah. that's my favorite john hughes movie like, oh some kind of wonderful yeah. yeah and it's got the ending that i think everyone he corrected what he in his own words he corrected does he end taking... up with the drummer girl yes in the end of it they do okay they, yeah yeah okay i don't remember because i know he was pursuing the rich girl of course and then she kind of well, you can go see some kind of wonderful. No, I mean I've seen it. Yeah. I remember. I just I don't. I thought it. I thought it ended like ambiguous. Like you don't know if he ends up. No, no, no. He does. He does. Oh, so okay, you, okay. Everything it comes to a head at the house party. You know, mm. things it progress nicely. It's a funny ending, and then um, Leah Thompson basically lets him off the hook, saying, "You know, I can kind of tell who you're really supposed to be with." And oh, and, that's cute. Yeah. yeah. But I would assume, do you love the Mary Ma- Stuart Masterson character? Because she's kind of got the pixie haircut. She's fun <laughs> yeah, I do like her. She's cute. Yeah. She's got a great I sense like of her. humor. Yeah. I like that actress. Yeah. No, she's great. <laughs> she's great okay. So final thoughts. So you would, uh, again. How would just... I rate Pretty in Pink? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's fun to watch. I thought her prom dress was terrible and she just should have worn the original one. The prom uh-huh. dress that she designs at the end was terrible. Just wear the Annie Potts one or the one her dad 
got for her were far better than what she put together in the <laughs> end, right? It's terrible. Maybe she didn't go to fashion school. Maybe <laughs> well, yeah, her fashion was questionable in this movie, yeah. but it was that was the 80s, so it was all questionable, right? It was the 80s, and uh, yeah, and so I remember she had a pink car too, didn't she? She had a little like, kind oh, of... Oh, in shirt. that movie? She did? I want to say drove, she did. She had a, yeah. Yeah. Um, Before Ducky had a, a car. <laughs> then again, it was an older, it wasn't a BMW because Andrew McCarthy had a BMW. So. Oh, right. So it was like, oh, wow, that's so funny. And yeah. um, Andrew Dice Clay is in it, right? He is. He's the yeah. doorman. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. I just forget. He was like a popular comedian at the time. So funny. Yeah. I don't even think he, yeah, he was just, he was more of an actor at that point. Eventually, a couple years later, then he got big, so. Oh, he was an, a- I thought he started out as a comedian, a stand-up. He did, but he was also, I think he was better known for, like, little side roles as. Uh, oh, okay, okay. He was yeah. trying to act. Okay, okay. Yeah. Got it. Bill, yeah. well, how do you feel about Pretty in Pink? My mom always loved the movie, and so, I, in many ways, I, I think I saw Pretty in Pink first, and I mm. loved the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. Oh, the I, soundtrack is great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. that ending scene with the um, If You Leave, that's not like If You Leave is a great song. Yeah, yeah. That's a great song. And yeah. just the whole dance scene and everything. Oh, um, fun. Uh, Christy Swanson is the girl that, that that likes Ducky at the end at the prom. Who's Christy Swanson? The blonde, um, you know, that was making eyes at Ducky after he kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know who that is. But who is Christy Swanson outside of this movie? Oh, she was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the original in the in the film. Oh, the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Nice. He's also the girl in Ferris Bueller's Day Off that um, said she saw Ferris pass out of 31 Flavors when she saw Oh, funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, <laughs> John Hughes would use her in these little side. Oh. Yeah, she was just cute. starting out too. But yeah, so if I was Ducky, I'd go with Christy Swanson over <laughs> Molly Ringwald. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But So he did fine. He did fine. Um, as I got older, <laughs> that I was like, yeah, Blaine's okay. Like, I, I like Blaine, but there's little scenes in there that I always loved. Like when they're talking, it was kind of like the first instant message, like right? when they're in the library and mm-hmm. and he sends her the picture and stuff like that. So I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And That's I love, cute. I always love to hate Steph. Like he, he, he cracks me up. Like some of the stuff he says, cause he's such an asshole, but mm-hmm. uh, and Gina Gershon's in the movie. She, I oh, think she, she is? Is she, she one plays, of the mean girls? She's the brunette friend. Uh, of she's Molly Ringwald? No, no, no. Oh, no. oh, of the bad, of the mean girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. She was one of the mean girls. I feel like I noticed that. Yeah. Or I'm I'm not sure if I'm getting it mixed up, but mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, no, there's all sorts of gems in there just uh, that, that are fun to go back and, and watch and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and appreciate. So yeah. Now, as I've gotten older, I'm glad she ended up with Blaine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well yeah. it's just a movie so it's just a movie i know i have to move on <laughs> no i would just say ducky was no a no-go I've, nobody i don't think anyone has ever felt i mean no uh i think woman stephanie, over the age of 12 wants her to be with ducky oh stephanie did i don't know i'd have to ask stephanie I maybe think, when she saw it she did yeah i think now she's like no he should end up with blaine i mean i also think it's fine if she didn't end up with any of them she didn't you know <laughs> <laughs> that's true her whole they life will her never mother. do it yeah they'll never yeah. do a movie like that but yeah well actually looking back at I'm like the the person to be with is annie potts she she's probably yeah. the most attractive and fun to be around so. yeah 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 for sure yeah. yeah but as always thank you super producer Lindley. <laughs> of course i'm sorry if i took it out of i took it too much to 16 candles too Not much 16 candles talk well, see, before you, you can like, edit oh, it out. No, you were worried that you would have nothing to talk about, and that's never the case. With, yeah, with yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> you ask good questions. I appreciate. It. Yeah. <laughs> 
if you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain, Captain Video. 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 Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.